Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Without further ado, that's what the game's all about. All of a sudden, you feel like you can't miss. Welcome to Buckets. My name's Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network. Joined by my colleagues, professional better Raheem Palmer. Raheem, how are the playoffs treating you? Good. I can't complain at all. We're just trying to put together some winners. My biggest play has been on the Sixers both times, so I can't complain. Yeah, you and me. We figured that one out. That 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 team is outmatched. I like the Raptors in game three, but we'll get there tomorrow. Uh, join me also is NBA futures analyst Brandon Anderson, who, along with me and Joe Delera and half of our Slack over at Action Network, are all hoping that Stephen Adams plays about five minutes tonight, gets benched for a small ball unit, and collects no rebounds. That's our hope tonight, Brandon. That is our hope. You know what is not our hope is for Stephen Adams to come out and get like three tip offensive rebounds in the first minute. That's not our hope. That's not the thing we're hoping for tonight. But you're listening to this after that game has probably already been played. So we're going to let you know this is your Wednesday workshop. We're going to break down the slate in the NBA for Wednesday, get you the best bets, lines, props, odds, totals, everything that you need to know. Angles. Brandon's going to throw in something really complicated that's actually going to pay out. I'm going to be super annoyed. It's all going to be here for you. And it's all available in the Action Network app. The best way for you to track your picks, get up to the second information on where the bets and money are coming in and find all sorts of analysis. I've got a game guide up for the game we're going to talk about first, which is uh, the more key events of the first round, the Boston Celtics taking on the Brooklyn Nets in game two. The Celtics opened as four-point favorites. It was four and a half at close in game one. It's now three and a half. It's moved a half point down to three and a half here. The total is 226. Uh, I never go first. I'll go first on this one. I think in any game in this series, and you're going to have it in every game, you should just take the points. I think this is a coin flip series every single way. I think that especially if it's more than four, you should probably take money line. I think if it's less than four, you should take the points. I think this is a coin flip series that was going to have a number of games that come down to the wire. I think there's value on the Brook on the Brooklyn Nets here. Uh, I liked my, my summation is this, the Celtics won game one. They won second chance points, fast break points, points off of turnovers, had more threes, all of that. Jason Tatum has an incredible game. Kevin Durant has a bad game. They won by one on a Jason Tatum buzzer beater. All of that. And they win by one on a Jason Tatum buzzer beater. And you say like, well, can't they play better defense? I don't know if they can. They play great defense. And the Nets still put up a 117 offensive rating. Like this comes down to, 
I think that the Nets bad defense matches up pretty well here. There's a lot to be done with Nick Claxton. Andre Drummond was a minus 13 in this game. I read about this in the guide. He actually wasn't the problem in the third quarter. It was a lot of random stuff. It was Bruce Brown giving up offensive rebounds for Marcus Smart threes. You know, career 32% three-point shooter Marcus Smart threes. I like the Nets to win the series. I like the Nets. I took the Nets on the spread and money line. Lost the money line on the buzzer beater. I like the Nets. I'm taking just the points here, plus three and a half in game two. Ra, what's your best bet for this game? I think I would go under. Because when I looked at the pace of that game, it was only 96 possessions. And we got a ton of fouls early on in the game. And the Nets were 19 to 24 from the free throw line. You had the Celtics 19 to 24 from the free throw line. And both offenses were hyper efficient. Even with Kevin Durant struggling, you had Kyrie Irving putting up 39 points. So I think there's a reason why we're seeing this total drop. I think it opened at 228. We're seeing it down to 226. So I think I, I think I would go under there, but I really don't want to bet against the Celtics at three and a half. Look, Kyrie Irving had one of the best games he could possibly have. And that's what it took for them to come close to winning this game. So I don't really want to be playing them on the road. I, I think the Celtics are the better team. I think one thing that stands out to me is that they have to play these small ball units. And the Celtics had a 36 offensive rebound rate. They're going to be getting all the second chance points. If this game goes down to the wire, that's only one or two possessions. And that can turn a game. So I would look at the Celtics there. Oh, no. They had an offensive rebound rate. They won the Nick Claxton minutes by a wide margin. They won the Nick Claxton minutes by, like, they were great in those Nick Claxton minutes. Honestly, here, here's, here's part of it, Brandon. When I look at this, like this is where I can get in trouble. I'm trying not to anticipate the adjustment that's obvious because lots of times coaches don't make it until later. There's a very obvious adjustment here. Start Nick Claxton. Start Nick Claxton, go small, and then play Drummond versus their small ball unit. And then you'll control the glass and the bench minutes. You flip that and you're going to be fine. I'm not worried about offensive rebounds. Like, okay, the uh, offensive rebounds, Daniel Tice trying to make putbacks. I think you probably live with that. I think that's probably fine. Bruce Brown's going to have to play better after he ran his mouth and got absolutely destroyed in game one. But I also think Bruce Brown's a pretty good player and he can play better. Uh, Brandon, do you have an angle on this game? And uh, let's talk angle and then we can talk prop. I lean more with Raheem here. I think you're shrugging off Matt a little too easily. Some of the things that are, are real angles for the Celtics here. They're plus 14 rebounding plus or 14 offensive rebounds. Like that's a real thing. Al Horford played 41 minutes. At first, I was like, man, he's not going to be able to do that all series. Oh, well, maybe he is because they keep taking a week off between games. Al Horford can <laughs> rest all he wants and come back. Like, we played Sunday. We're here Wednesday. We got until Saturday next game. Late in the series, Al Horford probably can't play 41 a game. But for now, well, we have these big gaps in between. He can. Uh, we, we all noticed, like, the Nets basically played six guys in, in game one. Like, that they, this is game six already, the way they're treating it. They shortened their rotation. They were like, they made a lot of these adjustments. I don't know that in game two of the playoffs that we're going to see Andre Drummond come out on the bench. Like what, what about a Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving team to cherry pick these like ancient centers that they want to come and start with them makes you believe after one playoff loss by one point that they're going to be like, Hey, you know what? Yeah. Let's, Let's start the young guy that none of us really want to have in the starting lineup that we keep finding all these other veterans 
and signing like dudes who should be retired to come in and play. Let, let's start Claxton now. It, so I don't know about that. The other thing is too, I don't be careful with the plus minus thing on this game. Like we know on a single game to be careful there. Here's the thing that caught my attention looking back at it. Knowing what the Nets are, the most dangerous time for any Brooklyn Nets game we know is the seven or eight minutes that Kevin Durant sits out. We know that. Well, they can't play great without Kevin Durant. In game one, the Nets won both segments with Kevin Durant on the bench. That's a fluke. We know that that's not a thing. That's, that is Kyrie Irving suddenly just hit everything for three and a half minutes in the fourth quarter and changed the whole tide of the game. And guess what? Nick Claxton happened to be watching on the court while Kyrie made everything. And Drummond happened to be watching from the bench that had nothing to do with Kyrie just making every shot. So I don't want to go too hard on the plus minus flip on those two guys. That also is the angle that I'm playing here is we talked about this on the Sunday night pod, Matt. I still don't want to bet on the nets, but I don't get excited betting against the nets. Now they have sufficiently terrified me after the first game. So I'm going to play Celtics second quarter. The one thing I know in the Celtics second quarter is that Kevin Durant is not going to play the first few minutes. I don't know by the fourth quarter. I don't know. Maybe Durant will just decide to just play through the whole second half. He might just do that. But I know we're going to get at least a few minutes at the start of the second quarter with no Durant. I also know this. In the season, the Nets had the 23rd net rating in the second quarter. The Celtics were top three in the second quarter. The plus 15 points per 100 possession differential. So. I, I'm just, this is so close that if I get that three or four minute segment to start the second quarter where I know that I prefer the Celtics to the Nets in that segment, I'm just going to play that very niche angle and kind of stay away from the rest and see how this plays out. All right, let's go through through some of this real, real quick because this game is really interesting and we can take some time off the, the back end. Raheem, they had 14 offensive rebounds. How many points do you think they generated on those? I don't know. How much? <laughs> Small ball lineup, you should be able to score one and a half points per possession, right? You just be hitting layups over this tiny ass team that can't defend inside. They had 18 points. Do you know how they got them? Marcus Smart threes. They were six of 14. Six of 14 on second chance a point attempts. If Marcus Smart does not hit two threes, that number is pitiful. That's what got you by on the offensive rebound advantage. So I'm sorry. Here's my thing. Offensive yeah. rebounds, I think, really help when you're facing a team that struggles to score. Like offensive rebounds yeah. versus the Raptors, they like they lose their minds because that's the only battle they can win. If you're winning the offensive rebound battle versus the Raptors, what are they going to do? Yeah. But the Nets are like, you can do that. We're just like our half court offense is better. It just is. Yeah. Um, I can't. I'm really frustrated that raw Kyrie Stan, who understands his chakras of Jupiter rising over the second moon before the chemtrails pass <laughs> has made me into the Kyrie defender here. But like, everyone's like, Kyrie Irving had an incredible game. When's that going to happen again? Look, pretty big Kyrie critic here. The yeah. guy is absolutely incredible. And you know what he's best at? One-on-one basketball. Do you know what the Celtics do? They switch everything. You know how, what, what really helps beating the switch? One-on-one basketball. Like, I get frustrated when Kyrie doesn't make reads coming off of the pick for easy assist to his teammates. That's where I get frustrated. This, yeah. this is great for him. Like, hey, I need you to beat this really good defender one-on-one and make an incredible shot. That's literally his game. Uh, the KD points on, on when he's out, I think, are fair, Brandon, in terms of, yeah. of the average. I will say this. When you look at that Celtics bench, 
do you get a little nervous? I get a little nervous when I'm looking at this bench and being like, we talked up Derek White like a lot here. Like it's Derek yeah. White and Grant Williams. Did we maybe overestimate like a little bit of the Celtics bench here? A little bit, considering the the Nets are able to bring off like Goran Dragic and Patty Mills and these guys that that are actually you know yeah like certified players. Does that like that? Is that a good point at all to consider, Brandon? I think it is, except this. If if it were if we're talking about Peyton Pritchard and Romeo Langford and Aaron Neesmith, then I would concede the point. But we're, we're, the Celtics didn't go that deep into their bench. Like Derek White, it, Derek White played on Team USA. This is not a bad player. This is a good player. Grant Williams, not great in Game One. I'll give you Grant Williams. Goran Dragic, this is this is not Slovenian national team Goran Dragic, but he had some terrible, terrible regular season numbers. He was pretty good in Game One. But if you're turning to Drogic and Patty, like we know Patty's great. Patty's a six man for a reason and doesn't defend and needs to come off the bench. I love these guys, but I don't know. The Celtics lineup, if you subtract Kevin Durant and subtract Jason Tatum, or, or sorry, yeah, Jason Tatum and, and Durant, well, we know which team is better when you take away the one star on the team. So it's not the deep end of the bench here. Like this is still the upper middle crust of these teams. And let me ask this as a counterpoint, Bruce Brown, terrible numbers. So on the one hand, you could say, well, Brown's going to have a better game. And Brown has been really good for them. We've talked about him a lot. I'm not sure if he's going to have a better game. Like, do, do, do we need to worry about him? Because a lot of what he does is get those kind of easy points and those little lobs and like the things you get against, sorry, the Cavs of the world. I don't know if those are going to be there against this team. And if the third best player can't put up numbers, that that scares me a little bit. He had opportunities. I'll say this too. Um, it is very likely if Kyrie keeps pushing them, they're going to have to start blitzing him. And that's where Bruce Brown's going to eat. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So that's, that would be my counter is like, if you, if you bust the Celtics out of the switch and this is game plan discipline, this is a big part of it. The Celtics are going to be like, no, no, we're not. We're just going to switch. No, we're not bringing help. And if Kyrie keeps doing this, eventually Doka is going to be like, the players will do this. Like, Tatum and then we're like, guys, we have to send the double. Like, I'm tired of getting to- of Kyrie torching us. We got to do something. You do that, and the Nets start winning that battle. Uh, I have a prop for this game. Al Horford got his ass beat in the Nick Claxton minutes um, because that matchup is not nearly as good. Al Horford had a game for the ages in that game one, and he still lost the Claxton minutes. Even mm-hmm. if Drummond starts again, which I think you make good points on 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 some of that. Even though Drummond's not really their guy, by the way, Brandon, he was a throw in okay. trade. Um, yeah. Even if Drummond starts, I think that Nash probably goes to Claxton sooner. Like he's earned, like I think after a really rough start to the season where I was like, oh no, Claxton's not there. They have no front court. Claxton's been really good over the last half of the season. Their defensive rating is awesome. He's making plays and he's a rim finisher. I think he has the trust of Katie and Kyrie. So I think they go more to him. However, Horford had 11 rebounds in the minutes where Claxton was on the court. So his prop line is 10 and a half. So I'm going Horford over 10 and a half rebounds with the idea that the Nets go small more, even though I don't think Drummond was a problem. I think they go small more. And that means more, and especially if Horford plays more minutes, Horford goes over, I like over 10 and a half rebounds for Al Horford. What's your prop angle, Brandon? Yeah, I like that one. Uh, you know, Blackston just isn't big enough. He'll continue to add muscle as he you know grows into his NBA game. But I think that's a good angle there. Uh, my prop here, I got Kevin Durant over three and a half turnovers. This is just this is a trend that has been hitting down the stretch, basically since the start of March. So this version of the Nets team, once they got their guys out there, 
Durant is averaging 4.4 turnovers per game. The line's three and a half here. So he's had four more turnovers in 14 of the 19 games. He had six turnovers in the first game. We saw how physical the Celtics defended him. If I'm Boston and tell the refs, start calling it differently. Yeah, you better believe I'm going to just keep playing physical and go ahead. Go ahead, Kyrie. See if you can see if you can beat all five of us on your own. Guess what? He almost did in game one, and he certainly can in other games. But I'll take my chances on Kyrie and just keep getting the KD. So I like the Durant over three and a half turnovers. He just he's asked to do so much and play so much and handle so much that you're just going to get a lot of chances there. I don't like it. I'll just say that. I don't like it. I think you're fading KD in a big game. And I don't, I don't, I don't like this. I think KD's probably going to look at the film and figure out what he can do different. They'll get him moving off of cuts and off screen action. So I don't like it, but. Do you like KD over five and a half assists? Because I think if you're fading his turnovers, then you got to, you kind of, kind of like his assists. No, I think I just like the points. I think he's, I think he's just going to go out there and put up, I think he's going to drop like 37. Okay. Yeah. I think he's just going to I mean, the, the reason I don't I, mind the turnover play here is because he absolutely could drop 37 and have like a 37, 10, and 6 game and be awesome and still have four turnovers. Like that's the sort of games yeah. he was posting down well, the stretch. Sure, sure. Uh, he could also, if the whistle's different, he could also instead score 45 because he gets the foul calls instead of the turnovers. So if you get the whistle, you're good, but you're a better prop guy than me. So uh, that's good analysis. That's really good points by everybody. It should be a fun game to bet. You guys are on. Uh, the Celtics because you're square. I'm on the Nets plus three and a half. Uh, I will take a Horford over 10 and a half rebounds. Brandon has Kevin Durant over. Hold up. How, do, how are we the squares? Because the whole world is on Brooklyn. I got 58% of the public on Brooklyn right now. I know. I know. Uh, <laughs> no shark. He, he, he likes to control the narrative. Just let, yeah. it, let him narrate this. No, no, that, no that, that, was, that was the LeBron clutch move right there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, on to Sleeper. Sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy platform today with millions of players. You probably already have a fantasy league on there. I use it for mine. It's a game-changing product unlike anything else in the industry. And now, you can win on Sleeper by playing their new over-under game. It's super simple. First, in any sport, choose two or more players that you like and pick their over or under. For example, number of points in basketball or hits in baseball. Then choose the amount of money you want to enter into the contest. If you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from two to over 20 times the money you put in. The main reason I'm excited about Over Under on Sleeper is that's the only app where I can join my buddy's contest and play together. It's got a built-in group chat where I can see and copy my friend's picks with the tap of a button. It's insanely fun to write it out together. So stop what you're doing and download Sleeper now to play their new over-under game. Have fun with your friends and make some money. Make sure to use promo code BUCKETS and Sleeper will match your deposit up to $100. Again, download Sleeper and use promo code BUCKETS when you deposit. Term and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Okay, back to the show. All right, uh, game two. This will be game three, actually. Game three, short turnaround. So while the Nets and Raptors are playing every other, or Nets and Celtics are playing like every five days, Sixers Raptors are already going to be through game four or five by the end of the weekend. Uh, they play again on Wednesday night. Quick turnaround. The Sixers are two point favorites here, two because when you look at the series, that's what you used to think. I'm really annoyed. I wanted a better number than this because I'm going to take Raptors on the money line. Um, this is a try hard team and they're going to try really hard. This is a try. Like they're just going to super try hard. Gary Trent jr. Is going to have another, another 48 hours of intense vitamin C. Going to get that good, that good high C 
with the juice boxes in him and he'll feel better. That'll give him another weapon. The role players will shoot better at home. Guys like Tobias Harris and Danny Green will shoot worse on the road. Um, it w- and B will probably get a little worse of a whistle. And I think the Raptors win this game. I, I just think that they're a try-hard team. They'll get game three. The Sixers take game four, and it's five games and out. Uh, it's possible they sweep them. The, they are dominant. I took the, the Sixers in the series minus one and a half, and I'm feeling awesome about it. They can't match up. This team's overwhelmed. This Raptors team is who Raheem and I have been saying they are uh, all this whole time. But I can't look at this game and how well things have gone for the Sixers and just be like, yeah, the good times are just going to keep rolling. And there's no chance for these Raptors. The Sixers are the most dominant team in the league. They're going to get beat by high effort offensive rebounds. Siakam has a big game. Van Vliet hits some more threes. I like Raptors in game three before I'm going to be betting Sixers in game four, Raheem. I'm not mad at it, but... I'm going to be playing a prop for this game and I'm going to be taking the over on the Sixers leading playoff score right now. And it's not Joel Embiid and it's not James Harden. Give me Tyrese Maxey over 18 and a half points. I mean, this guy, they have nothing for this guy right now. And we talk a lot about James Harden being quote unquote, Larry Holmes status, flabby and sick, not being the same guy. But the one thing I can say about James Harden is that he's unlocked a lot of the other guys on this team. One of the guys he's unlocked was Tyrese Maxey. 23 the last game. He had 39 in the first game. I mean, since James Harden has come onto this team, this is a guy who's just, he's been absolutely dominant. And here's the thing. For the regular season, in this regular season games with James Harden, Maxey is averaging 18 points. But when you up his playoff minutes, he's scoring a lot more than that. So I think this number is wrong. They basically have his his regular season number for his playoff prop, and I just don't think that's accurate. So give me Tyrese Maxey over 18 and a half points. I think he gets there with ease. I think you guys mentioned that Tobias Harris and Danny Green, he probably will shoot worse, which I agree with. But I think Tyrese Maxey, especially with him controlling that second unit, like I, I think he's getting over. Let me play devil's advocate here. Isn't the obvious Nick Nurse move to one, play a little bit more zone and two, like play better because their zone's been terrible Two, to stop all of the, the shading and shifting towards Harden. They've schemed this series like James Harden is 2019 James Harden. Yeah. And they should be honestly daring him. Like they should be, let's really focus in on Maxi. At some point, I think you gotta, you've got to diagnose the problem, which has been yeah. Maxi. And put a little bit more of your better defenders and, and pressure Maxi a little bit more rather than being so worried about James Harden at this point in his career with where his game is at. I just kind of wonder if, if nurse will recognize that. Um, hey, another great opportunity for me to trash everyone's conceptions of what great coaching is, because there's this idea that Ty Lue and Nick nurse are so far above everybody else. And where, where's the big adjustment? Where's the genius going to shut down and be where, where, where is it? But no, like, again, it's not that Nick Nurse isn't a great coach. Nick Nurse is an awesome coach. Is that the gap yeah. between him and the other great coaches is not that as wide as people make it out to be uh, yes. in large part because this is how Twitter treats and not just Twitter, like Illuminati, like NBA Illuminati. Like this is how they, they treat it is like I, I've developed a flow chart. Um, do you play zone? No, you're not a good coach. Do you play zone? Yes, you're a good coach. Do you play zone? Yes. Do you? Uh, do you go small? 
No, you're not a good coach. Do you play zone? Yes. Do you play small? Yes. Genius. One of the best coaches in the league. That's how this stuff is figured out. But I do think there's, there's some obvious adjustments that can be made in terms of limiting Maxi. I don't, I don't hate it though, just because I honestly, I think Maxi's too good. Like, I just think we're seeing the development of a third star here. And I think that this is yeah. his coming out party. I don't hate it at all. Brandon, what's your play on the game? First of all, I just want to appreciate that both of you shrugged off Tobias Harris as part of Tobias Harris and Danny Green. The Sixers role players, when they go on the road, won't play as well. Dude is on a three-year, $113 million contract, and we just grouped him into possible trillion. I just mean, I just mean like the spot. Green. I just mean the spot up shooter. I know. Yeah. I mean. just, I'm just saying. I mean, I like, Tobias I, Harris spot up shooter. I, I've loved it. I've loved the Tobias Harris over threes. Yeah. I've been playing it for so long. I had I think <laughs> at some point you got to buy low, sell high. And right now I'm selling high on it. I had points, rebounds, assists last night. Like I had his over. Like I love Toby. I'm just, we love, we love our role players. <laughs> I, I'm, I mean, Aaron Gordon's making a hundred million. Is he a role player? Yes. Yes. All right, go. What's your side on this? What you play on this game then? So for my read on the game, I'm not playing a side because for me, I don't know how I can watch what I just saw the first two games and not take Philly in a coin flip spot here. If I'm going to play a side, I don't know how I can't take Philly. Like I know the home team. I know the zigzag thing. I know all the trends, the coming home down. Oh, two. I also know I just watched two teams in entirely different weight classes play for two games. And I, I, I don't, I can't take Toronto after what I just saw in the first two games. I will say this. Normally, that would mean me telling you to bet the Sixers sweep. I will caution you against the Sixers sweep. I think Philadelphia absolutely could win this game, go up 3-0, and then Toronto is the exact sort of try-hard, well-coached team to actually show for game four, still want to get that win, and Philly get like halfway through that game and be like, oh, what you guys are trying in this game? Oh, screw that. We'll just go home and beat you a bit big in game five. Like, I, I don't want to play the sweep here. I'm going to play a little bit of Fred Van Vliet overs. Somebody on this team has to shoot and, and try to score. Van Vliet only scored 20 last game, but he took 16 three-pointers. He only made five, but five is still good. Five is going to hit your three-point over. Uh, the prop lines are not up for that one yet, but I'll be looking to play some overs and maybe alternate overs. Somebody's got to play a lot of minutes. We know Freddie will play like 45 minutes and take all the shots he can. So other than that, I, I just, I'm sad about the, the series. My only thing is I, I don't, when we start getting these injuries, it, it, that's my problem is it's going to be like, well, you know, the Raptors were injured and if they hadn't been. And I'm just like, we need to be able to look at this and just go objectively. Like, no, like the Raptors were 26th and half court offense. They were inconsistent the entire year. They went on a late run. This this Raptors team is not the team that's treated like it's treated like this championship. I don't know. I I, I just feel like the the narrative is a little off, and that's like the injury sucks because I like watching Scotty Barnes play. The injury also sucks because it's going to warp the conversation about this. But that's a, a tale for another time. Um, Bucks taking on Bulls. Raheem Palmer's that time again. It's that time again for me to bet on the Milwaukee Bucks to take care of business in the spot where they will absolutely let me down and crush me. Um, I'm going to bet bucks minus 10 here. I'm going to lay the points. I still got the division, like bud versus division teams, Bud's much better after game one is bad in game ones. He's pretty good in game twos. I think that was probably the best shot that Chicago had to steal a game. I think Milwaukee buttons down. They don't shoot as horribly as they did in game one. I will go ahead and, and, and impale myself once again on betting the bucks to cover the spread. I totally agree with you. And I think the big reason why is that 
the Chicago Bulls, they have a star who's not a star in the playoffs. And I mean, you look at what Drew Holiday is doing to cost Cole Kobe, no disrespect. Oh. I mean, he's he's holding him to over the course of the season, he's holding him to 34 points on 33 shots in 21 minutes as his primary defender. I mean, look, DeRozan has been he's been great this year, but in the playoffs, he's not the same guy. And I'm taking the Bucs on the first half because we know the Bucs have struggled in third quarters. That's been a thing for them the entire year. But after kind of almost coughing away that game, I expect a dominant performance. I think their second quarter was like really – their second quarter was just downright awful. So I think they'll shoot a little bit better, and they should be up, they should be up 10, 15 points by halftime. Obviously, the Bulls, they can't rebound with the Bucs. Right now, I mean, Zach Levine has been banged up for the second half of the year. Playoff the Rosen just isn't good. I do think the, the Bulls have found something, but it's not going to be enough. Brandon, what do you think? Yeah, I'm with Raheem on this one. I'm playing the first half line, minus five and a half. That's what I played last game. It, they barely got it over the finish line there. But yeah, same reason as Raheem. Bucks third quarter has not been great. Bulls fourth quarter is the one quarter they have been great in. After what we saw in game one and how this game kind of turned close without really being close, like it never really felt a super worry, but it was close enough that if they make a few shots, then it is. I do think that the Bulls could be alive in a couple games here if they just kind of hang around and the Bucs are missing all the shots and turning it over. Like the Bucs were not good in game one. The Bulls just were worse in game one. So we talked about Matt on the Sunday pod. The Bulls did took take 37 threes that they, they, they upped their three pointers. We wanted that. They just missed all of them. They were seven of 37, but you know, there, there is a chance here for the bulls to stay in games. And if it's close late, that's where DeRozan has been great. That's where the bulls have been very good. So I don't want to mess with the late cover and all that. I'm just going to take the first half along those same lines. Nick Vucevic is over or under 1.5 three pointers in this game. He took 10 three-pointers last game, and we can play him to just make two. Now, he only made two last game. He was two for 10, but 10 was a season high. He's obviously going to play a lot. I think that for better and probably for worse, Vooch is the key player in the series because he at times was causing problems for Brooke Lopez, not quite getting him getting out to take away those threes. It's clearly an intentional thing they're doing to get Vooch more shots up. If you get 10 shots like, there's no player in the NBA, literally no player, that if I know they're going to take about 10 threes, that I'm not betting them to make two of them. If you're an NBA player and you're going to shoot 10 times, I think you can make two of those. So I will take Vooch threes over and uh, maybe look for even an alternate three or four uh, once those lines post. Mid should be an easy one here. Like mid, mid over should be an easy one here for Middleton. Like they're going to play drop coverage. Mid's going to have open looks. He shot four thirteen for eleven points on thirteen shots, because that is what the Bucks do. It hurts me on the inside, Brandon. It hurts me deep in the cockles of my heart. It just wounds me watching this team. I always feel like I'm in that Simpsons episode where they're playing the Globe Trotters. It's like he's spinning the ball in front of you. Just take it. That's how I feel all the time watching the Bucks play in the playoffs. But I will once again hurt myself and bet the Bucks full game minus ten. Let, let, let me ask one other thing here. We all, I think that we all would have said before the series started, before the playoffs started, do we agree that we all would have said the, the, the Bucks were the most likely team to sweep in the first round? Yes. Yeah. Well, per, perhaps we would have put Suns over Pelicans. We didn't talk about them because that series wasn't set. But other than that, they would have been in the mix. Right now, at this moment, knowing what we know right now, 
the Bucks are the blank most likely team to sweep a first round series. Second? No. Ahead of the Warriors? They're not ahead of Warriors. Suns, Warriors, Sixers? Would you put them ahead of the Sixers? I wouldn't put them ahead of the Sixers. I wouldn't put them ahead of the Warriors. I wouldn't put them ahead of the 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 Suns. Yeah. That I, Matt, I think would put the put the Sixers behind them because you're playing the Raptors, obviously. I, I would put the Sixers ahead of them, I think. Like I think the Bulls actually might take a game here, the way that that kind of stayed rocky and close. Yeah, it should be, it should it's be just, fourth. It's Sixers. It's, Warriors, it's wild ah. that and like that's not us saying that the Bulls are live here. I we're not betting on the Bulls here, but yeah, we might be getting some abbreviated first round series. I think Matt hinted on this last week on the podcast, and he said this is too easy, and that championship has really changed the narrative of who the Bucks have been in the playoffs the last three, four seasons. This is a team when they're struggling to hit shots and they, they tend to have these frequent struggles. I mean, I think we forget that last season, look at game one and two against the Suns. Look at game one against the Hawks. They have these, these, these playoff series to where it's a dog fight. So, and I said this before the postseason and people kind of looked at me crazy on Twitter but we kind of got to temper the expectations. They've kind of become a slightly overrated within the market. And I do think there's going to be spots to, to bet against them. And I, I think the Bulls may be able to steal one. I can't wait for the second round um, for a number of reasons, including Raheem and I have the same kind of mindset where the market is adjusted. And we think that there's value. We think that there's an Eastern Conference team that's being undervalued and they're going to play each other in the second round. And it's not the Bucks, and it's not the Celtics and it's not the Nets. We're going to... Have to have that conversation when the time comes. That's going to wrap it up for Buckets. We'll be back tomorrow with another breakdown of the NBA slate. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Make sure to give us those five-star reviews. Please, 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 please help us out with the five-star reviews. If you if you like the show, let us know on Twitter, but also give us those five-star reviews. If you can find the show on YouTube. We're going to have a VOD version of this as well. Thanks very much for joining us, everybody. See you tomorrow. Let's get Buckets.